We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Thanks for tuning in to another edition of the Ducks Digest podcast. I'm your host, Max Torres, publisher and lead editor of Ducks Digest on Fan Nation, part of the Sports Illustrated Network. And man, we got a huge episode on tap for today, talking Oregon's newest commitment, Jaleel Tucker, four-star 2022 athlete out of Lincoln High School in San Diego, has committed to the Oregon Ducks. And I'm here with Ducks Digest reporter Reed Tingley to break it all down. Reed, how we doing, man? I'm fired up. Yeah, I'm doing great. I'm fired up as well. It seems like just yesterday we were talking about the commitment of Jaleel Florence, uh, his high school teammate at corner. And, and back then the Ducks didn't have any cornerback commitments yet. Uh, now they have two really good ones after Tucker just announced. So uh, it's an exciting day for the Ducks for sure. Yeah, I mean, it just goes to show you with recruiting, you know, things can change in the, the blink of an eye. Um, you know, and with, with Tucker, the, the Ducks beat out Washington. So, you know, that uh, there's that rivalry win on the recruiting trail as well. Um, and Florida State as well. Uh, you know, that was the other team. We had Washington, Florida State, Oregon to make up that final three for him, uh, which was released after he visited uh, the Ducks or visited Oregon, I should say, um, during Saturday Night Live. So this was just a, a really big win. You know, anytime you can get, uh, get a recruit over a, a rival school and um, also, you know, a, a pretty storied program in Florida State is uh, definitely a big win. Yeah, for sure. I mean, especially like you talked about those talents on the West Coast, there's kind of that, uh, you know, bonus of the fact not only is he going to be on your team, but you're also keeping him from your conference opponents that you're going to be seeing every year and have to get through to, to win the Pac-12. So, you know, this commitment works both ways for the Ducks. And then especially him being a cornerback really kind of solidifies that group with him and Florence is a really solid pairing um, after it was a position of need for the past few months for the Ducks. They've shored it up right before their season kicks off. People definitely were a little concerned, I feel like, when they were getting all these commitments in the summer. And then they were kind of people were asking, you know, where where are the corners? Like we need corners, we need corners, especially with Michael Wright um, leaving or looking like he's going to be a likely departure after this uh, twenty twenty one season. Um, but you know, the staff obviously had a good handle on it, and like you said, to the timing of the commitment, I think is also really relevant uh, to do that before the season starts. Just you know, puts you at ease a little bit more, and I think it also every commitment they get now helps them hopefully push closer to a twenty twenty three commitment which is, you know, even bigger picture, but I still think it's definitely worth mentioning and keeping an eye on. 
Yeah, like you said, this is a lot about timing for the Ducks. I think that many people knew that, you know, Oregon was heavily involved for Tucker for a while now. Um, but it was just about kind of getting that official announcement and locking it in before the season to help them move on with the rest of their class. And I think you look at SNL, um, that event was really crucial in bringing him back on campus and just kind of solidifying that Oregon was the place that he wanted to be, both for him and Florence. Um, and really those dual commitments from Lincoln at cornerback have been kind of the, the mark of success of that Saturday Night Live event, I think. Oh, yeah, without a doubt. And, you know, we have some other visitors that were there um, that are still heavily interested in Oregon. Ducks really involved there. But we're going to save that for a little bit later in the episode. Don't want to give it away too early. Um, but when we're kind of looking at this commitment and, and what Tucker brings to the table, you know, we're talking about him. It's looking like he's going to play corner, right? But when I was interviewing him after his trip to Eugene, he was saying, um, you know, I kind of want to play both ways. And, and Oregon has a you know, he said Oregon and Washington at the time had said that that was a possibility. And then Florida State had offered him exclusively at wide receiver. So this is a deal with playmaking ability. And, you know, as we say that, if you're on YouTube, I'm going to throw on some highlights here um, over the Zoom screen share. So hopefully, hopefully uh, people can see this all right, but going to throw on some highlights here. And just so you can kind of see the player that Oregon's getting. Um, it is a little weird that most of his junior highlights are uh, at wide receiver. But who knows, Reed? I mean, maybe this is a guy that we end up uh, seeing play both ways. We saw Charles Nelson play a little bit both ways when he was at a duck. And then we also saw Brian Addison. He came in as one of the highest rated athletes in the class of 2018. Um, he kind of bounced back and forth between wide receiver and, and safety. And now he's at safety. But it's certainly an intriguing uh, thought, don't you think? Yeah, for sure. I think another guy on that list that Oregon unfortunately didn't get to see play at wide receiver was Javon Holland. Um, before he decided to opt out of his his third year with the Ducks and, and prepare for the NFL during the COVID season last year, uh, there were some rumblings that Chris Ball was going to try him out on the offensive end as a playmaker. And, you know, we obviously saw Holland do some special things with the ball in his hands in the punt return game during his sophomore year. Um, but back to Jaleel Tucker, I think, you know, Tucker is just one of those players that is a special athlete all around. Um, he's just an elite football player. You can throw him at corner. You can throw him at wide receiver. Um, and he's going to make plays and stand out on the field wherever he is. So I think that, you know, you can't really say enough about how big of a pickup this is for the Ducks. I think especially given the loaded wide receiver class they've already brought in, cornerback is the position of need that Tucker will probably end up playing most, but you know, you never know what will happen in the end. And, and Tucker has shown the ability to make plays wherever he is on the field. And adding to, you know, his value as a commit in this class of 2022 for the ducks is the fact that he's a dual sport athlete, right? You know, he, this is a guy with top end track speed. He's a, a sprinter as well in the spring uh, I was watching a video on him and I don't know if it was completely verified, but one of the little graphics said 10.3, uh, hundred meter speed. Um, and then, you know, this was a, a video on YouTube courtesy of East Bay, uh, kind of doing a cool profile on him and kind of his, uh, his high school career, uh, being a two, a dual sport athlete. And, you know, you have all these different teammates and coaches. They're saying, you know, Jaleel's speed is different. You know, when he gets in that higher gear, it's just something to see. And I think with the caliber of wide receivers that the Ducks find themselves facing uh, at some of their opponent, you know, with some of their opponents, you know, look at Ohio State. I feel like 
we're talking about Ohio State so much and they haven't actually played them like across so many pieces of content. It's a little weird, but I still feel like the point holds. Ohio State, you know, everyone pretty much, uh, you know, if you know college football, you know that they have pretty much the most loaded wide receiver room in the country. Um, but USC, they get just studs at wide receiver every year. Uh, Stanford has some good wide receivers as well. Um, and then Washington occasionally has some, some good players there. So just some of the other teams that kind of come to mind, you're going to need that top end speed to, to help defend some of these guys that, that the Ducks are going to be going against once it gets to Eugene. Yeah, for sure. I mean, the game of college football in general right now is moving so much towards the passing offense with the success we saw of, of LSU in 2019 and Alabama in 2020. So I think you're right on, obviously, you know, how do you defend the pass? Well, you get elite corners like Jaleel Tucker in there um, to stop some of the, you know, wide receivers and advanced offenses that are coming along in the sport. So, you know, this is a, a great pickup that kind of looks towards the future of college football. Well, I think, uh, you know, having lockdown corners is just going to become more and more important, I think, in the coming years. Yeah, you, you talk about how we've kind of seen the game shift. Um, and, you know, I think depending on where you stand as a football fan, you know, maybe you like more power run or, or more passing. I'm kind of just here for all of it. But the next point that I wanted to get into, Reed, you know, one of the some people don't know, depending on how long they've been tuned into Ducks Digest. One of the first you know pieces you wrote for me was about Oregon's pipeline presence in Texas. Um, and now this is the third commitment in the San Diego area for the Ducks. Um, and I think it's, it's huge for a variety of reasons. Um, you're looking at, you know, the Ducks presence in California, that is like the foundational state, at least in the past, it has been this year, it's Texas with I think four or five guys in the fold. I can't remember the number off the top of my head, but um, in the 21 cycle, they didn't have too many guys out of California. I know Jalen Davies and Troy Franklin are the two that come to mind. Keanu Williams as well. Uh, Darren Barkins as well. Okay. Wow. Um, now I'm just looking to see all of them, but but yeah, the, the point I wanted to say, you know, I, I just kind of wanted to get your your take here, Reed, um, about why you think this commitment is so big to tap into that San Diego pipeline. Yeah, I think that, you know, the interesting thing about San Diego and in, in my understanding of it, at least, is that you think of it, you know, it's located in Southern California. Some people assume that maybe that means that those kids are, are kind of on a pipeline to USC directly or potentially UCLA. Um, but I think that Oregon has kind of showed that, you know, there, there is a little bit of a rivalry between San Diego and Los Angeles. And sometimes those kids are not quite as kind of just funneled directly into uh, the USC kind of Trojan network there. Um, and I think Oregon's taken an advantage of that, you know, and kind of carved out San Diego as a spot in Southern California, uh, where people are, are starting to be more aligned with Oregon all the way up north. Um, and, you know, obviously, as we've seen this cycle, there's a lot of talent to be found in San Diego. Getting Florence and Tucker as two quality corners is huge in this class. And then also Grayson Halton, of course, along the defensive line. I mean, there are only so many of those elite defensive linemen that um, come out of the West Coast, West Coast each year. And so having that guy come out in San, in San Diego and Grayson Halton, and being able to lock down that commitment uh, is, is absolutely massive for Oregon. Yeah. I, I love watching the, it's just like, you talk about a concept, like a pipeline. It's just, to me, you, you don't see that in professional football. You don't, you don't get this in, in the NFL. You know, you have 
all the on-field product and you have that um, for college football. And then, you know, the recruiting equivalent obviously is the, the NFL draft, but I, I, you don't see the benefits. You don't get to see the benefits and the rewards of, of, you know, developing those relationships with those schools um, you know, with those powerhouse programs like the Ducks have with the St. John Bosco is the modern days. Um, I believe they've gotten someone from uh, at least one of those schools in each of the past few cycles here. And it's just, it's an added element of entertainment and it's uh, another, you know, piece of the puzzle. And it just shows you kind of how uh, recruiting is kind of like a game of chess. You, there's just so much that goes into it. And I love it. Yeah, I think, you know, obviously that's the fascinating thing about the sport of college football is that success, you know, compounds on itself. So when you get someone like Florence or Halton, then you are able to recruit uh, Jaleel Tucker and, and bring him in. Uh, whereas, like you said, you know, in the NFL, you you are rewarded almost for, for uh, you know, failing in the prior season. You get a high draft pick and you just kind of get to pick whoever you want. Um, but here, you know, you have to actually perform and build positive relationships over time. And then when you're performing well uh, and building those relationships, you get to kind of step up to the next level and, and get rewarded for your, you know, good effort. Yeah, no, without a doubt. Um, I think there was one more point I wanted to say about that, but I can't completely remember. Um, I, I'll just go to what I had here uh, next on the, the plan. Um we're talking about the San Diego presence as well. You had Byron Cardwell, uh, another big guy uh, that the Ducks were able to get out of the San Diego area. Um, was at one point at St. Augustine where uh, the Ducks found um, Grayson Halton. So that's a, a kind of a cool connection there. But when we were talking to Mario Cristobal uh, following the, the scrimmage over the weekend and, and you know, the first practice this week, um, you know, he, he was asked about Darren Barkins, which is another – uh, San Diego guy on the Ducks roster and you know it kind of in his uh, you know analysis of him is saying hey you know he's coachable he's he's from that San Diego area that's a that's a pipeline we take a lot of pride in and then you're seeing that pay off it directly it's just so funny because coaches can't talk like explicitly about uh, specific recruits when we're doing these press conferences um, but but yeah the the fact that they're able to get back into here I'm sure it'll just help their efforts in California moving forward um, and it's certainly a, a place that you can't take for granted when you have so many kids that, that grow up watching Oregon because they're on the West Coast. And, you know, to go to your point about them being kind of UCLA or USC leans just because of ge geography, um, you know, the Ducks are showing just once again that they can go anywhere and get anybody. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's, it's paying dividends from the success that Oregon has had over the past decade and the brand they've built on the West Coast for sure. And uh, now, like you said, you know, that those classes are coming up where they grew up watching Oregon as a national power. They didn't just see them, you know, kind of ascend to that level. That's all they know of Oregon is, is a team that's been in the national conversation. And we're seeing that pay dividends on the recruiting trail. And then the, another point, I feel like we talked about this with Florence, but maybe it's worth mentioning it again. The Ducks, uh, just because they, you know, got this commitment, they're still pretty invested in Lincoln high school as just one school with, with Roderick Robinson. Um, he was a guy that, that was in attendance for Saturday night live. So that's three big visitors for, for the ducks from one school, two of them ended up becoming commits. Um, sure. It's early read, but, but what do you kind of take away from that? The fact that they already have such a strong presence and, you know, they're looking for a, a back here in 23. Yeah. I think that, 
you know, that that's the way the recruiting game operates. It operates on a state level, a city level, and then it also gets down to individual relationships at schools and you build relationships at a powerhouse school um, like a modern day or a St. John Bosco. And then like you see at, at Lincoln here in San Diego, uh, there's always kind of a, the next best, the next great player coming up. And, and Roderick Robinson, like you said, is a potential quality back to take in 2023. That's a position of need probably next class. Um, and so to have a guy identified there early and already have him kind of surrounded by people who know Oregon uh, and, you know, have some positive things to say about it, obviously, uh, is only going to benefit the Ducks' chances there. Exactly. I, let's, uh, I'm checking on the class real quick. Um, for, for the Ducks to see kind of what size we're looking at. Um, so 19 commits now in this 2022 class. I think the, the number that we were kind of, that we've kind of talked about, or a lot of people have talked about is that sweet spot for Oregon is maybe 23, 24. Um, you know, you don't want to stretch yourself too thin, but inevitably there's going to be some players that maybe not inevitably, I should say, one of the cool possibilities of doing so much work so early is you're going to have really good players that still want to join and you maybe can't turn away uh, even if you're already loaded at that position. So let's kind of shift it a little bit here and look towards the future a little bit more um, with regard to this 2022 class. Yeah, I think, you know, like you said, Oregon at 19 spots right now, you think probably about four left, but you know, as we'll get into with the board that they have still out there, all the top recruits still on the list, um, who, like you said, you know, it's going to be difficult to turn them away. Uh, it'll be interesting to see kind of what happens down the line if, if they're able to make more room and, and get, add, you know, maybe five or six more players or potentially, you know, decommitments can happen. Uh, there's not anyone that I would, you know, speculate on individually of this class. But, you know, if, if one or two people were to leave, that obviously opens up another spot. Um, but when you talk about, you know, who's next, what are Oregon's next tar targets, I think the list has to start with Cyrus Moss off the bat. Um, he's kind of that edge presence, sort of, a, you could call him a defensive end, you could call him an outside linebacker. I think with how Tim DeRuiter has stepped in, it's probably going to be you know, standing up outside linebacker role um, for him. And, you know, that's a big position for the Ducks because we have just like at corner with Jaleel Tucker uh, stepping in for Mikhail Wright potentially leaving. We have Kayvon Thibodeau potentially leaving. And Cyrus Moss is, is a primary target who could step in for that role. Yeah. And one of the guys that, that we've been hearing a lot about through the, the weekend was, was Braden Swinson. Um, I think one of the things that you look at when you're recruiting is, you know, some of these guys are so high profile that they can start, they're capable of starting from the moment that they step on campus. But in the case of KT, they might already have, you know, his, uh, his air on campus, uh, you know, guy that's cut a lot of weight, um, made a lot of impressions here in fall camp. Tim DeRuiter had a lot of good things to say about him. Mario Cristobal, the, the list goes on. Um, but yeah, with, with, when it, we're talking about Moss uh, and kind of what's next here for the Ducks with the recruiting, um, he is supposed to come back for the Cal game, I believe. That is uh, October 15th. Um, kind of crazy that I don't have the schedule down uh, just yet, even though the, the season's so close and I feel like I've pulled it up so many times on my laptop. But um, Ducks are in a great spot here. Um, probably not a stretch to say that they lead. Um, you had him take a trip out to Alabama, Arizona State, and Notre Dame. Uh, this summer and then he's looking to get those officials into Florida uh, and Clemson 
during the uh, regular season. You know, Dabo Sweeney being a guy who likes to take, use his official visits uh, in the fall during the season. Um, so definitely some some work to be done there. It's it's far from a done deal, uh, but Moss is definitely one of those big guys that they still have uh, at the top of their big board. You got guys like uh, Kevin Coleman, big time wide receiver uh, out of the St. Louis area. Darius Clemens, a guy that we recently uh, got an update on for Ducks Digest, in-state wide receiver. I think that one's really, really interesting. Um, not that Coleman isn't, but just when you're looking at the wide receiver uh, room right now in this 2022 class, you already have four wideouts and the most highly rated one just now committed. Right. T-Mac. Yeah, I mean, you talk about, you know, McMillan, who they just added, is, is one of the best wide receivers in the nation. But, you know, and they're already at four. You think that, you know, most times the class would probably be done there. But with Coleman's and Clemens still left on the board, uh, you know, it seems like the Ducks are kind of pushing for one of the, for, you know, one or both of those. And they're, they're right in contention for each of them. Um, Coleman is another guy who, you know, has a case to be made for potentially the best wide receiver in this class. Uh, and Clemens would be a very, very solid pickup as well as an addition to the end state crop. Um, so both those guys are definitely uh, players to keep on your radar if you're an Oregon fan. Yeah, Coleman, the, the SI All-American uh, top slot wide receiver in the entire country. And when, you know, you're talking about Clemens, when I was talking to him, you know, he, he had a great trip out to Eugene, obviously not too far away coming from Portland. And uh, I kind of was telling him, asking him during the interview, you know, Hey man, a lot of people were kind of shocked when you, you pulled up on campus. Um, that's, you know, one of the benefits when geography actually helps the ducks this time, not too many people were close to Eugene uh, for a surprise visit, but he was saying, yeah, but a lot of people didn't really think that Oregon had that much of a shot at, or I'm trying to think of what it was. It was a, uh, people were thinking that I wasn't like that high on Oregon. I'm paraphrasing, but that's kind of what he was saying. And, and then he comes out with that top three after Auburn, Penn state and Oregon. And uh, when you're looking at what's happening in the wide receiver room for 2022, he was telling me, he's like, Hey, I mean, I got to see kind of what's going on. Am I going to have a spot there? Um, you know, Penn state has one of the best classes in the country too. Um, so I, I'd be, I think those are the two names to know at wide receiver for Oregon. And then another guy, is Anthony Lucas, uh, one of the top players in Arizona uh, in the class of 2022. Uh, I think he'd be a real nice addition to go along with uh, Grayson Halton and um, Sir Mel's there on the defensive front. Yeah, definitely. I mean, Oregon obviously did a lot of great work in the state of Arizona, kind of building their own pipeline there uh, in the 2021 cycle, obviously headlined by Ty Thompson uh, at quarterback. And so Anthony Lucas, again, you know, it's those kind of elite defensive linemen don't, uh, you know, come up that often on the West Coast. And so when someone does, you know, develop to that level, it's really important to, one, keep them on the West Coast for the strength of the conference, you know, to keep the Pac-12 as a competitive conference. Um, and then two, for Oregon specifically, to make sure that, you know, within the Pac-12, he ends up at Oregon because uh, you don't want to be facing him in a, you know, in a conference title game or, or in your schedule every year for the next three to four to five seasons. And, and you're looking at the Ducks in Arizona and man, they've just been killing it. Um, you know, recently did a kind of an analytical piece over on YouTube about Ty Thompson. He's obviously the, the best player coming out of Arizona in that 21 class, I believe. 
Um, Ducks have a heavy presence and investment there. You got Jonah Miller here, Bram Walden, Jalen Jeffers, Brandon Buckner, uh, just so much Arizona talent. Um, so you got to figure that they have a pretty good shot there. I'm, I'm assuming that they want to try to get him back on campus to, to, you know, refresh that relationship and, and show that they're prioritizing him. He's the guy that we're working on getting an update on, but, um, maybe, maybe we should talk about, you know, a couple other names that the, the ducks are looking into. I know, uh, I, I believe you talked to one of them recently, uh, on the recruiting trail. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, recently I got to talk to Devin Jackson, um, who scored his Oregon offer um, from linebacker coach Ken Wilson uh, just about a week ago, I believe. Um, and yeah, Jackson is a really interesting player. I think uh, he's from Nebraska uh, originally, obviously, where the Ducks landed Avante Dickerson last class. Um, with Jackson, kind of the story is he unfortunately missed his junior season because of covid uh, you know, restrictions in the district there prevented him from playing. So I think that his recruitment has been a little bit more slow developing as a result of that, you know, but going into his, you know, junior year before it was canceled, um, he was, you know, thought of as one of the best linebackers in the country. And so Oregon has kind of, you know, seen enough to give an offer there. I think that they're, as many schools are, excited to see him play in his uh, senior season and see kind of how he looks if he still is on the same trajectory that he was back the last time we saw him on a high school field in his sophomore year. Um, but I think that, you know, if, if Devin Jackson goes out and, and kind of balls out on the field as a senior, I think that the Oregon pursuit could pick up really heavily because the Ducks kind of are looking to identify another linebacker. Um, and, and obviously I recently worked on a final forecast piece, piece and, and, before that, um, when I had written it, Jackson was not offered yet by Oregon, and I was kind of struggling looking at, you know, who is this linebacker, next linebacker commit that Oregon is going to get to kind of fill out that class. And I think that once Oregon offered Jackson, that really started to make a lot of sense for me. Uh, and talking with him, he, you know, was very serious about Oregon. He had some ties to the state, actually. His grandfather used to coach uh, at Oregon State. Um, and so he was really excited to get back out to Oregon for an official visit, uh, potentially in, in August. And so I think uh, that is a, a major, or potentially in September, I should say. And I think that that's a major recruitment to watch at linebacker for the Ducks. You're looking at the, the linebacker position for Oregon and they have TJ Dudley in the fold. Uh, I think some people might be back and forth with regard to Marion Winston. Maybe he's more of a defensive lineman edge kind of deal, depending on his uh, his body type. Um, you know, he looked like he was closer to the 240 range when we saw him out here in Eugene for, for Saturday Night Live. Um, and yeah, I think that that's a, it'd be a, a huge, a huge guy for the Ducks to target. Um, seeing that the, the linebacker picture, like you were saying, is a little bit um, murkier and not, not as clear when we're maybe looking at what's next. Um, and then we talk about how they got Tucker over Washington, um, among other finalists. But there's another name with Washington ties uh, that had an interesting development this week. Yeah, Ben Roberts, defensive lineman, decommitted from the Huskies earlier this week. Um, and so, you know, I think that there's a lot of feeling that, you know, Oregon was part of the reason for that. He made the trip to Oregon for Saturday Night Live as well. Um, and 
the Ducks are certainly in hot pursuit there. It's another example. I mean, I'll say it again, you know, there's only a handful of guys uh, that are kind of that level of defensive linemen on the West Coast, and the Ducks are going after yet another one of them quite aggressively. Uh, ben Roberts was a player that I included in my final forecast. While he was still a Husky, I thought that there was some potential uh, for the Ducks to make a move there, and now it looks like you know, he's another one of those top targets on Oregon's board after he just uh, decommitted from Washington. I really like what they have along the defensive line right now, but I feel like they do need a guy that kind of has Robert's, uh, you know, skill set, um, you know, a big guy, but maybe not so much of a, a, a nose tackle, maybe someone who's a little bit more on the outside. Um, and it's just, it's crazy when you think about, you know, all the, the hype that Jimmy Lake tried to create around the, the Washington program with regard to recruiting. And I feel like they're just seeing decommitments left and right. Sir Mel's, for those that don't remember, was at one point committed to Washington. Um, but with Roberts, I think that it, it's another opportunity to, to tap back into that Utah pipeline. You know, we're talking about San Diego, the San Diego pipeline as well. Um, Utah is just a, a state that's right up there for, you know, uh, areas that the Ducks have just absolutely blitzed in recent cycles. Uh, obviously getting the Sewell brothers out of there. Jeff Boss is a guy that we're hearing about good things about coming out of fall camp. Um, looking to get a freshman focus on him up on the site pretty soon here. Um, but, uh, yeah, the, the, your, your, it's like you're over your, your orb read and you're seeing kind of what's going on here. Uh, with that final forecast piece coming out um, <laughs> while Roberts was still committed. So I definitely got to give you some props there. Although admittedly there's still work to be done. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. It was, it was, it was an interesting recruitment to follow. And like you said, you know, the Utah pipeline is another big one. I mean, that's the thing that's impress so impressive about this Oregon staff. They put so much effort into recruiting that, you know, for them, it's, it's not a pick and choose game about, Oh, let's have a pipeline just in San Diego or just in Arizona, they kind of are like, let's develop pipelines all over the place. Um, let's, you know, get one in San Diego. Let's also work on Arizona and then let's also do Utah and plenty of other States uh, and, and areas within the country, Texas, obviously as well. Um, so when you, you know, when you work as hard at recruiting and make it as big of a priority as Cristobal does in this program, uh, you know, this is the results that, it, that have come out of it. And, and obviously there's some excitement still to come for the Ducks in this class, I would say. The, the, the outlook for this class geographically is just as diverse as, as any other class that we've seen in recent years coming in, coming to Eugene. And I don't know why I just put this together now, like in my head, I don't even know how to describe it. It was like, not like a vision, but like, I feel, I felt like I was watching some like weird, like graphic design thing. Um, and that just sounds super weird now that I said it, but let me try to explain myself now. Um, basically I was just kind of thinking about all the names that were involved, right? You got California. Um, you know, I'm not going to say locked down because inevitably there's going to be guys that, that stay closer to home that go to USC, like your Damani Jackson's, uh, you know, UCLA got Jaden Marshall. He's a speedy wide receiver. Um, I don't know. He's still committed there, right? Do you know who I'm talking about? What was the name? Sorry. Uh, Jaden Marshall. I think so. Yes. Um, uh, maybe, maybe you can fact check that for me or I can fact check myself, but basically no. I'm just saying, you know, you can, they're getting the best talent, some of the best talent out of California. So California is taken care of. 
Um, you know, they're, they're pushing into Washington as well. You got Arizona, um, Nevada. Uh, you have Cyrus Moss coming out of there. And then you're looking at Oregon if they get Darius Clemens. And then, you know, obviously Utah is a little bit further east. But when you put all that together, you have, you know, the Ducks are, you know, landing, if not in serious contention for top players on the West Coast. And then not only that, but they're pushing the brand and expanding themselves out all over the country um, in Texas. And um, if they were to get Coleman, you know, that's uh, Missouri. They haven't done a whole lot from there other than Dante Manning in, in recent cycles. Um, I'm kind of trying to see where I was going with this. That was basically what I wanted to say, but I want to see them get back in Florida. Like that's, that's something a little bit different, but I just feel like that's kind of the next big, big push they need to make. And I think it could really take them, you know, into maybe that closer consistent top five territory. Yeah, I think that's, that's a good point. You know, Oregon is kind of a school that is, that is, um, you know, has the ability to be a national brand and recruit nationally um, that not everyone else on the West coast does. Um, and so, you know, you talk about what is it, you know, going into Florida and who they could identify there. Obviously, Damani Dent was a standout at Saturday night live from the state of Florida. Um, and, you know, when you talk about him, it, the question now, after we've seen, uh, Tucker and Florence move up their commitments is, is Oregon going to target a fifth defensive back potentially in this class? Um, and, you know, Damani Den is, is high up that board. He was someone that I included in my final forecast piece. Uh, and, you know, I was, I was kind of projecting that based on how uh, positive, you know, the reviews of him were at Saturday Night Live. I think that, you know, following that, we saw Tucker and Florence kind of decide to push their, spot, their commitments up and lock in their spots. Um, and I wonder, you know, how Dent's uh, recruitment will progress potentially from here now that Oregon kind of has filled a little bit of their need in that secondary. Um, but if it isn't Dent with that fifth defensive back spot, I think there's kind of three other guys that I look at who are currently committed elsewhere. But I think that, you know, if, if things changed um, and they backed off their commitments, Oregon would be heavily involved. So you have Zeke Berry currently at, at uh, committed to Arizona uh, the Ducks were heavily involved before he went there. Larry Turner Gooden is another commit in the secondary at Arizona State. Obviously, there's some kind of, um, you know, questions surrounding that program with the NCAA investigation. Uh, and you wonder if that kind of instability could lead to, you know, Larry Turner Gooden, Gooden to open up his recruitment a bit more. And then Terrence Brooks, uh, an elite, elite player who's currently committed to Ohio State. Um, you know, if, if the Ducks could potentially, uh, you know, get involved there, that would be a huge bonus and kind of Brooks especially would, would become an immediate uh, uh, headliner or in the discussion for a headliner for this class. There's a lot of big names to, to still monitor. Um, and I think that we, when we talk about the timeliness of everything and, and getting a lot of stuff knocked out, you have those guys more or less in the fold. Obviously nothing's finished until they sign um, come signing day. But these are some of the guys that I kind of feel like when I'm talking about, you can really put your effort into and kind of roll out the red carpet for 
Um, and if you're, you're in the position where if you get them, they're kind of just that cherry on top of the class. Like that's exactly what I think of when I look at a guy like Terrence Brooks. Um, he was one of the people who came out here for the opening weekend of visits in June. So I think that says a lot. The fact that he, he got to Eugene as his first visit um, and he's another Texas guy. Right. So uh, ducks obviously have plenty of, uh, plenty of things that plenty of players, I should say, you know, that could, that could back them. Uh, or push them back into that recruitment, I should say. Um, but yeah, it's a lot of great names to to monitor there. Reed, um, you're always on top of it. Uh, anything, anything else that you kind of want to talk about as we wind down here with regard to the Jalil Tucker commitment or any other kind of recruiting news, duck news, what have you? Um, no, I think we covered most of it. You know, I mean, just kind of circling back to the topic of the day on Jalil Tucker. Like I mentioned, I think. This is just, you know, Tucker is a player who's just an elite football player all around. And I think that, uh, you know, Ducks fans should go check out his highlights, kind of look at the prospect that they're getting, because I think, you know, there's been speculation about him potentially joining the class for a while now. And I think sometimes people, you know, think of that as a foregone conclusion and, and kind of put it in the back of their head. But it should not be overlooked what a special player Oregon is getting in Jaleel Tucker and the potential impact that he can make in, during his time in Eugene. Ducks continue making big moves on the recruiting trail. Uh, we're just under three weeks away from the start of the season. It, it just feels so close, Reed. I'm like every day, like I don't want time to go by faster because like on some real stuff, you got to cherish every day. But at the same time, when you're you're here in Eugene and I'm, I'm going to practices, man, it's just hard not to get super excited. But yeah, man, another great episode of the pod. Always love having you on, talking recruiting and, and everything else going on with the Ducks. Um, just as we usually do here to wrap it up, where can people find more of you? Yeah, you guys can find me uh, on my Twitter page at MF underscore read. You can find me uh, talking more Ducks at the Quacked Out pod. You can search that on Spotify or Apple or wherever else you find it. Uh, and then, of course, over on Ducks Digest doing my work there. Right on. And you can find more of my work on Twitter at mtaurus sports, head on over to ducks digest. We're pumping out awesome content all the time. Um, I'm also on YouTube trying to pump the channel up some more. Uh, Max Taurus is the YouTube channel name. So go over there and subscribe. Um, we're going to have this podcast on YouTube as well. So if you're watching on YouTube, kindly ask that you uh, check out the channel and uh, maybe subscribe while you're here. We got duck stuff coming all day, every day. Uh, it's just been super fun, but that's all we have for this one. Thank you guys so much for tuning in and we'll see you in the next one.